Welcome to this uh, 100-pounder workshop. My name is Joanne, and I am a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it is off, please make sure. This session is being taped. To protect your anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Please remember two hatters. Uh, OA members affiliated with related facilities or other 12-step programs are requested to speak on their reco recovery in the OA program only. And Ask It Basket is being circulated for the question and answer portion of this session, so please keep it going so that we have the questions for them when we get to that part. If there is any press in this room, please respect our anonymity by not taking any pictures using a video camera, or using our full name. Okay. The format of this session is as follows. Two speakers will share for 25 minutes each, followed by 15 minutes of questions and answers. Uh, so we'll do the first speaker and then the questions and then the next speaker. Okay? Our first speaker today is Rick. Hi, I'm Rick. I'm a compulsive overeater. For those of you who don't use caffeine, thank you for indulging me. Um, I'm going to start by passing. I've got a couple of uh, pages of a little collection of pictures I got before pictures. I'm going to circulate. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I just kind of wanted to start out by saying, you know, it hit me last night as I was listening to the uh, the opening speaker. I don't have any original thoughts um, when it comes to recovery. Um, I came here with a few tools to this program from another program, and I won't get too much into that just to tell you that I came from this, uh, I came from the, um, from the doors of uh, AA. Uh, to this program. And it took me a while being there to get here, even though I knew I needed to be. I found out about this program early in my uh, in my sobriety in AA from people that were two hatters that were in this program. And it took me nine years of doing that to, to, to get up the, you know, courage and doing the yo-yoing and, and everything else. Um, I'll try not to refer too much to that, to, to my recovery in that program, but... Uh, the thing that occurred to me last night as I was listening to the opening speaker is, um, wow, most of, you know, 99% of what I have to say is stuff that's regurgitated, you know. This stuff, I heard so many good things last night that I went, yeah, yeah, that's me, and yeah, I, you know, that's the way I feel. And, um, and I was also asked um, to, you know, speak on what it's like to, uh, 
to have lost 100 pounds, and I got a lot of stuff on that, so I'm going to have to be reined in on the time. Thank God we got the timekeeper with signs say it's time to shut your mouth, things like that. Um, but also, you know, the main theme that occurred to me while I was thinking about my time here and my recovery and uh, the gifts I've been blessed with since I've been here is um, imperfection. Uh, that's been the key to me coming here, staying here, being abstinent, is accepting my own imperfection, uh, beginning with my my ability to accept the fact that I'm, I'm a human being. I'm a compulsive overeater, whether I weigh, uh, you know, 280 pounds, which is what I weighed when I got here, or I weigh, you know, today I weigh 100, about 151, 152 pounds. Um, so, you know, just to kind of get the numbers out of the way, I, I got here in January of 2005. Um, I believe it was January... 7th or 8th, I think, was my first meeting. It was a Saturday. It was the second Saturday in January. I started my abstinence the next week when I came back to the meeting, which I almost didn't make it to, and I'll, I'll tell you about that. But uh, that was January 15th of 2005, and I weighed myself that morning, deciding that um, after the meeting, not before it, but after the meeting, I went home and weighed myself after getting a sponsor, and I weighed exactly 280 pounds, and I've been weighing myself on the same scale since. And uh, I weigh in once a month, and uh, at the beginning of this month, I weighed 151 pounds. Now, that's gone up and down a little bit, mostly down, to be honest with you. It's been mostly down. Um, weight loss has never been a problem for me. Anytime I've set out to lose weight, I've lost weight. I've never kept it off. It's always gotten you know, more, and I've always gained more than I lost. Um, When I was a kid, you know, it occurred to me, I was thinking about it a little bit this morning, reflecting, um, when I was a little kid, it, it, my disease started way back, as far back as I can remember, and it started with being a picky eater and kind of being an under eater, because I didn't like a lot of the food that was being, you know, put in front of me when I was, when I was a, a little kid. Um, so I was controlling food right from the beginning, you know, whether I was overeating or not eating or didn't want to eat certain things. And that, that pickiness, I, I'm still a picky eater today. That's still part of my disease. I consider that uh, part of my um, what I try to get over. Um, you know, I, it's very hard for me to vary my food. So that's one of my goals in, in my food is to try to uh, eat different things. And I, you know, have varying success with that. But uh, I started getting chubby, I think, when I was about 10 or 11 years old. And... Um, I can remember being aware of my, my body image right away um, when I was young. I remember I, I very vividly walking past a, a, a storefront, and um, back in the 60s, we had these, you know, the, the shirts with the, with the kind of curved tails, you know, and I never wore my shirts tucked in. I would always wear them out, you know. And... Uh, I was walking by a storefront one time, and I just happened to glance over at my reflection in the storefront, and the back, that tail in the back was flipping way out over my butt, you know. And I was maybe 10 or 11 years old, and I, I think it's kind of a shame that I had to be concerned about that at that age, you know. But I was. That was part of what I was, you know, what, what went into making this, this compulsive overeater. Um, and from that, that point, I was always on the chubby side. 
you know, I hit growth spurts and things like that where I would get taller, but um, always was on the chunky side at least. And and really, I didn't get obese until um, after I got married. Um, you know, that's uh, there are many things I, I blamed on my wife. You know, at, at one point, <laughs> so I guess I could pin that on her too. I'm sure I tried at one time. Um, you know, before I started to, you know, doing steps and having to be responsible for, for my own life. Um, but uh, that was a, you know, I, I can't, I could get into the specifics. The bottom line is, um, what I didn't get until I got here was it was the food that it was putting into me. It was what I was putting in my mouth that was making me fat. And I didn't understand that. I did not make that connection until I got to this program. Um, I... Uh, Got sober in AA in, in 1996, and before that, um, there's one of those pictures. There are two small pictures on the side where I'm wearing this blue with striped shirt, and um, I'm probably at my highest weight then. That was about uh, 93, and um, my mom was kind enough to send me those pictures. It was my mom and dad's 50th wedding, wedding anniversary. And I think I was at my top weight. I remember seeing 295 on the scale. And uh, I stopped weighing myself at that point. I decided that, you know, that was not something that I really wanted to do after seeing that number. And um, I could have been anywhere between 295 and 300 pounds in, the, in those pictures. So I, I think that was my top weight. Um, but I was still drinking. I didn't care. I mean, it was very hard to, you know, to... It, you know, it, it occurred to me somehow I'd have these moments of clarity that, you know, trying to lose weight at that point was like trying to redecorate the house while it was burning down. You know, I had to put the fire out first. Um, any other program, when I had something, one less substance to dull my, you know, senses and to keep me numb, the pain of being obese um, hit me um, hard very hard, but it still never occurred to me that I was a compulsive overeater. I didn't know what a compulsive overeater was. I knew people in this program. I was beginning to meet people in this program, and I had people say, you know, there's a program for that, too, and, you know, it's, you might want to try that out. It took nine years of, of hearing that to get here, but I, um, you know, at, at that point, I just started doing other things, working out. Um, I would, you know, diet. I was still dieting. You know, I'm a, I'm a pretty good uh, dieter. You know, I tried a lot of different things, counting calories, this, that, and the other thing, and it, it all worked to a certain extent, but I would always put the weight back on. And at that time, I really started yo-yoing. I started losing big chunks of weight. I started doing things like losing 50 pounds and putting back 60 or 70. Um, and finally, in, uh, in 2004, Right around 2002, um, my father died, and it set off a succession of things. You know, and I didn't realize any of this stuff even happened until I got here. Um, my father died soon after that. A, a good friend in the other program, a guy that uh, was a sponsor and a friend, um, died of liver cancer. I watched him the last five days he was alive in the hospital, slowly die of, uh, of liver failure. 
my youngest daughter and my son-in-law um, went on their second uh, run and were underground for three years. For three years, I didn't know where they were, if they were alive, if they were dead, and they lost custody of our granddaughter uh, for the second time, and this time it was permanent. And all this stuff was going on, and I had people asking me, wow, you're doing, you know, you're do I would share about this stuff, and people would say, hey, you're doing real well with it. You know, you're doing pretty good. You know, and, you know, my answer to that was always, well, that's because I'm, the, you know, spiritual Superman, that's why. <laughs> and the fact of the matter is, the reason why I was taking everything so well is because I was numb from binging, and I was binging with a with a vengeance uh, in that period. Uh, finally, towards the end of 2004, the pain of, of being a compulsive overreader, which I didn't know I was, was becoming too much to bear. And that's the only way that I change just about anything in my life. You know, very rarely, you know, looking back, if I ever said to myself, wow, I've got this bad habit. I think I should change it. I think I should eat better. I think I should do this. I think I should do... No, it's usually I'm on my hands and knees begging God, please take this away from me because I can't do it anymore. You know, it never occurs to me to do something that's good for me. Rarely. Rarely. I can't say never, but it rarely occurs to me to do something, make changes in my life until I'm beat, my butt is whipped, and I'm on the floor begging, crying, screaming, God help me. You know, and I got that, and I got there with this disease. I, I could not stand it anymore. I was physically wrecked. I have bad knees to this day. I have arthritic knees. Um, you know, God knows what else is going to pop up over the years, but I'll deal with that. And, uh, but the disease, you know, hurt me physically, hurt me emotionally, hurt me mentally, hurt me spiritually. The thing that I didn't realize till I got here also was that, you know, I had a higher power, but that connection was so, I mean, it was like trying to tune in, you know, your favorite station when there's no antenna on the radio and it was coming in, but it was really crackly and I couldn't hear it, you know. Um, and I went to my first OA meeting. By the way, I'll tell you, for those of you who are here from other areas, my home group is the big Saturday meeting on uh, Alameda McKendry at Holy Redeemer Church. Yay! That's my home group. It's not too far from here. Um, and um, I walked into that meeting, and uh, the newcomer greeter was there. Uh, it was a uh, newcomer's the first half hour, and the newcomer greeter greeted me. I didn't know why she thought that I was there for the meeting, you know. <laughs> She said, welcome, you're in the right place. <laughs> How do you know I'm here for an OE meeting? I'm five foot six. I weigh 280 pounds. You know. So uh, she made me feel at home and she made me feel at ease and she made me feel like I was in the right place. And, and she explained to me, you know, the basics and I was doing real well until the meeting started. Because I had come here defiant. The other program I was at home right away. This program I got here and I said, mm, I'll do steps. Don't mess with my food. Um, I didn't know what to expect on the physical end of, of, of the recovery. So, 
when I heard people talking about not eating certain things, I said, oh, hell no, this is not going to work. I'm not coming back. I literally said to myself, I'm not coming back here. Um, the only problem was, what I was also hearing was, my story. I feel that way. You know, this is, this is the way, this is, these people fit into life the way I, or not fit into life the way that I don't fit into life. Like, I don't feel like I belong, you know, and I feel like I'm a, a you know, I feel like a freak and I feel, you know, unloved and, you know, like people are staying away from me in droves, which they were, you know, and, and you know, that, 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 that came later with the weight and all that. Um, but what I did was, and I say this almost every, uh, every time I share at the podium or wherever, I uh, sat in my truck in the parking lot after that meeting and I said to the God that I, that I wasn't that familiar with, you know, by that time, I said, please give me the willingness to come back here next week because of my own willpower, I won't do it. I don't like it here. It's very uncomfortable. These people want to mess with my food. I don't like that. <laughs> please, you know, get me, get me back here because I need to be here. I knew I needed to be here. I knew that I was a compulsive overeater. Then, that first meeting, I knew these people are talking. I know what that means. I have to have food. Food fixes me. Food fixes me. Food's my friend. Boy, I heard that stuff last night. I was just going, yes, God, yes. Um, I came back the second week, and a gentleman offered to sponsor me, which is great because I, I was going to take my time and pick out just the right person. You know, I figured it was going to take maybe six months, maybe a year. But I was going to get just the right sponsor. It's a good thing somebody offered to sponsor me. I may not have stayed. Um, and he made it easy for me. He, this guy told me later uh, when we were having a conversation a little, you know, a few years down the line. He said, you were really defiant. Yeah, yeah, I remember. you were, Because I told him exactly what I would not do. I said, this is what I won't do. I'll work steps. Um, I don't want to mail you or call you and tell you everything I ate every day. He said, okay, so we don't have to do that. I said, I, I, I can stand the idea of not eating sugar. Don't ask me to not eat flour. He said, okay, I won't do that. I said, oh, this is getting too easy. So he asked me what my binge foods were, you know, what, and I had one, okay? So if it's anybody else's binge food, I'm not going to mention it, but it's round and it's got tomato sauce on it. And, okay. That's my number one. That's the only thing I knew that I, that I would start eating and I could not stop at the time. I've learned some more since. Um, you know, and that's the way it goes here. Um, so uh, I said, I'm not going to eat that thing. And um, I said, well, what do you do? He said, I eat three meals a day, one snack, and no sugar. I said, I think I can do that. And he explained to me what, what uh, no sugar entailed. Um, my food plan is not that much different, but I've had to, you know, I've had to adjust it. Um, you know, and, and, and I've had people ask me to sponsor them because they know I've had uh, the weight loss. And they think I have the magic bullet. You know, and I tell them, you know, what, what worked for me may not work for you. This is, a, this is an individual program. Um, I'm firm firm believer of your abstinence is your abstinence and nobody else's. Um, I still have a little bit, and it's very diminished now after being here for a while, of that defiance when people get up and say, well, I don't eat this and I don't eat that. It's good for you. Leave me alone. You know? <laughs> <coughs> um, 
I don't have to do that so much now. You know, it still pops up a little bit, but it's like, you know, I love you. Thanks. Great. Thanks for sharing. Maybe someday I'll have to do that. And that's what I really have to do. You know, I had to, uh, in the, in the, in the uh, AA 12 and 12, I believe it's, I can't remember if it's the sixth or seventh step, but it's talking about our character defects. I believe it's our seventh, seventh step. It might be the sixth step. I don't know. I'm not great about that stuff, but... Uh, where it says, you know, in relationship to character defects, I have to apply this to my food. Uh, I can't afford to say no, never. You know, we have character defects that we say, oh, I can't give this up. I'm not willing to give this up now. Um, I have to do that. With, that's my approach to food now. When somebody else is asking me for something, I say, I don't do that. Now, maybe someday I'll have to. Uh, so that's the approach that I have to take. I, I can't afford to be that defiant anymore and say, I'll never do this or I'll never give that up or I'll never give this up, whatever else. But I do what works. Um, I've had sponsors, thank God, that were just, um, you know, um, I avoided the food Nazis like the plague. Uh, now I try to learn from them, you know. But I, I need a food sponsor that's, that gives me a lot of room and it's worked for me. Maybe you don't. Maybe you need somebody that's a little more strict. I don't sponsor that way, so when somebody asks me to sponsor them, I say, hey, you know, if you need help with what you need to eat, I'm not a nutritionist, you may want to go see one. I did that just to say that I did it, so I'm not giving advice to people that I'm not willing to take, and I went and saw a nutritionist. And, uh, you know, there were some things that I applied, actually, not much, but there were a few things that I applied that, that helped me out a little bit. Again, the, um, you know, getting to... I had a simple abstinence and I was able to stick to it enough, never perfectly, but enough to where the weight came off for me. And I keep doing, the, the key is I keep doing what I did when I started and I intend to keep doing that one day at a time. When I get up tomorrow morning, I'll do the same thing I did. You know, I do, a, I'm not real good about meditation. I have some set prayers that I say. Um, I go to meetings, I go to three meetings a week as much as possible. I, uh, I work with, uh, with other compulsive overeaters, that's a big help to me. I need to pass this program along. As long as I'm doing that, you know, I can't, it's very hard for me to do, tell people to do something I'm not willing to do. Um, so that keeps me in line. And um, um, I'll just touch on it because I've babbled so much my time away. Um, losing 100 pounds was not the key to uh, copying the phrase from the, the performance last night, it was not nirvana for me. I was thin. I found myself thin and at a little bit miserable. Um, my body armor was gone. I realized that I spent a lot of time with that. My weight was keeping people away from me and that's the way I wanted it. You know, there were people all of a sudden that uh, where I work, I've worked there for many years, and there are people who have seen me grow up and they've seen me at normal body weight and get obese and then come back. And, and they were very happy for me. And they would come up to me. I'm like, God, what have you done? You've lost all this weight. Da, 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 da. I'm like, get away from me. Um, I don't have to do that today. But at first it was very hard. And I realized, you know, at first I was a little resentful. I thought, oh, you like me now because I'm thin? You know, what's up with that? Uh, and then somebody pointed out to me that, well, maybe you're a little more approachable now. And I realized that along with that weight, um, 
the chip on my shoulder actually was reduced too. And it's okay to uh, to smile at people today, and it's okay to say, you know what, I, I I like myself more now. So maybe you actually do like me. Maybe I'm likable. Maybe I'm actually lovable. You know, wow, it still feels weird to say that. This program has taught me how to love myself. It really has, and I, and it's a and I'm a work in progress when it comes to that. So. Uh, Thank you all. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak here today, and thanks, everybody. Have a good convention. The basket, where is it? Can we have it up front, please? Okay, we'll be asking questions for 15 minutes. First question to Rick. When you have so much weight to lose, how did you get discouraged? And did you have any relapses? And if so, how did you eat? Um, I, have I gotten discouraged? Oh, yeah. Um, I've been really blessed. I work with um, a few people who, who really still have the weight and, um, and and know some people who still have a lot of weight and, and have struggled with abstinence. Some of them have been around the program for a long time. And it's really hard for me to relate. You know, I can't tell them, well, you know, hang in there and, you know, eventually the weight will come off. I don't know that. It's really hard for me to say that. I've been blessed that, you know, I stuck to my abstinence pretty well and the weight came off. That's just the way it happened for me. Um, I still got discouraged. You know, part of the problem that, that I've had is um, I've, it's taken me all this time to realize that eating, being abstinent, and this might be a little controversial, but I don't mind getting up on a soapbox a little bit. Being abstinent is not always necessarily eating healthy. Um, and the tendency that we have here is that if we eat something that's not considered squeaky clean, I've seen people go away. My first sponsor did this. He broke his abstinence. He had a substance that he was not supposed to have, and it drove him out of his program. He didn't come back to meetings. Um, I've eaten some things. If I told you, it would probably make some of your eyes roll. But I haven't binged, and I haven't sat down and gotten up from the table after a meal and been so engorged that I couldn't walk and I had to lay down or sit down. I haven't done that three and a half years. But some of the stuff I've eaten in a pinch, my planning's not always great. And sometimes I reach for stuff that it's not that great for me. All in all, it's, a, it's way better than I used to eat. But what I've had, to, the thing that keeps me in as far as, you know, what we're talking about here, um, relapses, I don't get into relapse because if I eat something that's that's crappy, I note it and I go, you know, I ask God, please steer me away from this. I want to eat bitter. I want to eat more good stuff and less bad stuff. But you know what I have to eat? And if I have to eat, I eat. But I don't binge and I don't overeat. I, I get discouraged sometimes when I look at my food and go, God, 
I wish I could just get away from this. And sometimes, and I, I've had some success at getting away from certain foods. But uh, sometimes my food doesn't look real clean, doesn't look like what people call clean. It doesn't look real great, but I don't overeat, you know, one day at a time. Did you always have a strong HP? And if not, how did you cultivate that? Um, I believe when I first got sober, I, I, I definitely needed that, that higher power a day at a time. I've tried not to let God be the, uh, the, the, you know, the backup hitter, whatever, you know, the bench, sitting on the bench. I, I've tried to have God, a God that, uh, that's with me all the time that I rely on daily, not just when I'm in a pinch. But like I say, that connection got real fuzzy before I got here. Uh, I found that being in this program has really made my higher power bigger and stronger. I've needed that because I have to ingest my drug three times a day. My drug of choice is food and I've got to eat. Um, the other stuff is easy. I just don't do that. But here we have to ingest our drug three times a day. I heard when I got here you have to take the, uh, the tiger out of the cage, take him for a walk and put him back in three times a day. And I gotta have God. I'm not a lion tamer. I need God with me to do that, you know. And it's not. I, I tell people that it's not. Um, I, I'm not a big prayer. I'm not a big meditator. I, I get my prayer and my meditation where I can find it, you know. And I've had to appreciate where I find my my prayer and meditation. I don't formally meditate, but I know the things I do in my life when I'm getting that uh, quiet and I can listen. Um, but the thing that keeps that, that keeps my higher power strong is the basic stuff. The going to meetings, the doing the steps, the working with others, the doing the service. Service has been really good to me. Service has kept my butt in this chair. You know, I had an exit plan when I got here. I was going to give it a year, lose some weight, and say adios. I don't need you guys anymore. Luckily, I, got, I took a service commitment to bridge that that year. And, you know, and my mind changed, and I realized I'm a compulsive overeater and I need, need, need to be here. But uh, it's the real basic stuff that keeps my higher power strong. I have about half your weight to lose. I don't know if I can keep at it so long and the day, do the day to day after day of measuring my food. Help. Don't do it day after day after day. Just do it today. You know, that's the only thing I can say. One day at a time means so much more to me today in this program than uh, than it did in, in, in the other one. I've learned a day at a time has really hit home with me here, you know. And if you stumble, get back up. I heard that last night. If you stumble, get back up. It's not the end of the world. If you stumble, stay here. You know, if you don't do anything, stay here. I have the utmost respect for the people who've been around a long time. I've seen people around this, this program for like 20 years, and they've just all of a sudden gotten abstinent and lost a lot of weight. It takes what it takes. Just keep coming back, and one day at a time. And our final question, what exactly do you do when you hit a plateau? Or what do you do when you have um, despair? You're going to hate me. 
weight loss wise, I didn't hit any plateaus. I hit my goal. What well, my goal weight was 180. I figured if I could lose 100 pounds, which I didn't really believe I could do anyway, I would stop. Whatever that means. I don't know what stop means. Um, God had other plans and uh, got me, you know, like 30 pounds under that. Um, that wasn't my choice. Uh, I, matter of fact, I said, God, I don't want to be that. I don't want to lose that much weight. But you know what? God had other ideas. Um, and I never hit a point where I stopped losing. Uh, today, maintenance, I didn't add food to my food plan. So, you know, I just kind of naturally fluctuate. And I've gotten, you know, I've gained as much as recently. I, I, I got up to, I gained, um, I was up to like 158. And I did a little adjusting. I moved one of my snacks that I used to have, and that seemed to do the trick, and the weight came back on. Um, I get discouraged with life stuff, you know, emotional stuff. Um, and when I do that, you know, I talk to people, and I pray. Um, I, in the last couple of years, um, I've gone through some really weird relationship and um, um, those types of things um, that I've had to really sort out, and I've had to seek guidance. And some of the advice I've gotten hasn't been all great, you know, and I've had to be able to, um, to ask God, you know, to, to follow. I've learned that, you know, my instincts aren't all terrible anymore. You know, I've been doing this long enough to where my, my will is not necessarily automatically out of line with God's. But I got real discouraged for a while and very much in pain. Um, but you know what? I, you just Sometimes you just have to sit through that stuff. But stay connected to the program. If you're discouraged... You know, if you can step up your knees a little bit or be around fellowship a little bit more, work with others and do service. That stuff always helps me. When everything else fails, work with another compulsive overeater. Thank you, Rick. Okay, we'll start the basket for our next speaker. Our next speaker is Laurel. Hi, my name is Laurel, and I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. Um, did you know this is the 100-pounder session, which means by definition that I've lost at least 100 pounds. The flip side of that honor is that it means I also gained at least 100 pounds at some point in time. Um, the reality is, is that sometime between when I moved to the Bay Area and when I was first introduced to Overeaters Anonymous, I actually gained 200 pounds over what my normal weight was. Um, I started my OA journey just over three years ago, May um, of 05. I came in weighing somewhere around 330 pounds. I had quit weighing at 326 pounds. Um, I've lost 180 pounds, which actually means that, I, that there's 20 extra pounds I haven't lost. Um, ten of that was because my doctor said, hey, you're in your 50s, not your 20s. You don't need to weigh the same. And the other ten is because, um, and this is TMI, too much information, when you weigh 330 pounds and you get down to your goal weight, you're going to have 10 pounds of extra skin. And so until I get surgery, I'm stuck with that. So hence the 180 pounds that I'm, that I'm down. Um, by virtue of the fact that you're here, you probably know my story. My story is probably pretty similar to your story. Um, at some point in time, the weight started to come on. At first, I could keep a handle on it, but before too long, it really got... Um, out of control, and I was to the point where I was above 300 pounds and still rising. 
I spent most of my adult life, I think, in denial um, about my weight problem. And, and these are the kinds of denial I went through. My first denial was, you know what, this is just baby fat. This is just leftover from having children. I don't know why I didn't calculate that I had not had enough children to get 200 extra pounds of baby fat. But, but somehow it was all attributable to the fact that I had had children. Um, as self-denial, I really wasn't an overeater. I just had a slower metabolism. Do you know how much slower your metabolism has to be to gain 200 extra pounds? And the sad thing is, do you know that now that I'm at maintenance, I have to eat probably four or five times the amount of food that all of my friends with fast metabolisms eat, which tells me self-denial. Um, another kind of self-denial. You know, I could lose my weight anytime I wanted to. Um, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. You know, 20 years of being overweight, but anytime I wanted to, I could do it. Um, and then my favorite self-denial at all, um, it's not my fault, it's all genetics. I come from a fat family. There is nothing I can do about this. I just need to learn to be okay with my body the way it is and accept, you know, the big acceptance word. But it really is hard to accept weighing 330 pounds. Um, the physical disabilities of it are just the, the physical aspect of the handicap is kind of overwhelming. Um, things like not being able to get on, down on the floor or off the floor with my children unless I looked to make sure there was something to help myself up. Um, things about like not being able to get on a roller coaster. Um, I had the lack of judgment to get on a ride at Great America once and the seat thing wouldn't work and they forced it closed and basically it shut down the whole ride. Totally humiliating. Never went to an amusement park after that. Um, the physical handicap of, of being paranoid. Every time I had to travel somewhere, get on a plane because I didn't fit in a single seat. And the humiliation of trying to figure out what I was going to do if the plane was full and knowing that I was going to spill into somebody else's lap. Um, the, the physical handicap of always having to wait until a handicapped bathroom stall is open because I couldn't get into a bathroom and not be standing in the toilet and still have space to get the door closed. And going to the bathroom on an airplane was just a plain scientific impossibility, and that's scary. Um, one of my biggest nightmares at 330 pounds was what if my luggage gets lost on the airplane? It's not a problem. You go to the store and you buy something to wear until they find your luggage, which is great unless you wear a size 30 like I did. And if you are a woman and you shop, you know that even the large lady departments only go up to a 24, which meant I either had to make all my clothes or I had to special order them. So if I was to lose my luggage, I would be dead. But all of the physical handicaps really were minuscule compared to the emotional and the spiritual handicaps I think I felt at that weight. Um, the low self-esteem and the frustration of wanting to lose weight and not being able to actually do it. Um, the, the envy or jealousy of the people around me that didn't have to struggle with weight like I did. Uh, the resentment I felt towards people that looked at me and judged me because I was fat without really seeing who I was as a human being. The guilt and shame that I wasn't able to fix this problem as bad as I wanted to. Um, sometimes even the anger at God for, a, for a making me suffer through being fat when everybody else around me was skinny, I thought. And, and the awkwardness of having to go into unfamiliar social situations. All of those things were kind of debilitating handicapped. Um, so I went through all the cycles of 
dieting, uh, um, and then binging, and then gaining some weight, gaining more weight, and then being disgusted and going back to dieting. Just this whole yo-yo thing that all of us um, have gone through. So by the time I was finally introduced to OA, I I was I was a combination of desperate, but at the same time just in despair that there really was no hope. And so I had a friend who introduced me to a program called 90 Day OA. Um, I had no experience with the 12-step program, totally out of my realm of experience, had never heard of OA, let alone 90 Day OA. But I went to my very first meeting and I had kind of a glimmer of hope that maybe there was the solution. And that's because at the very first meeting I went to, there was six people that I talked to that had lost over 100 pounds. And I was smart enough to say, uh, this is statistically not a coincidence. Um, it was interesting because some of the people who would stand up and share would say, oh, well, you know, I didn't have very much weight to lose. I only lost 40 pounds or 60 pounds. But the program works the same whether you have 10 pounds or whether you have 200 pounds to lose. And my response was, sign me up for this. Um, and I said that until I found out that what it meant for me was no flour, no sugar, three weighed measured meals a day. And then I thought, okay, don't sign me up. Um, maybe it is not so bad to be fat. Um, the, the, real, the real agonizing part came for me in trying to decide, do I want to commit to something that is so alien and so terrifying to me? And as I started to look at it, it was more than did I want to commit, it was was I even capable of committing? And that decision to, to get a sponsor and to make that commitment just about tore me apart. And, and time doesn't allow to elaborate but I finally came to the point where I thought, um, okay, I will give it a try and see if it works. I, I wasn't sure it would. I wasn't sure I could make it work. I wasn't sure I really wanted it to work. But that's what I did. And interestingly enough, unlike all the other diets that I had tried, which you start out with enthusiasm and then they get harder and harder and harder until you just can't keep it up and you fall off it, the 90-day OA program was the one thing that I tried that having made the commitment was the hard part. The program itself just got easier and easier and easier. And that's not to say that there aren't struggles. That's not to say that there aren't times that I was frustrated and angry and rebellious. But it was something that was really doable. And what I discovered was that the, the pain of the program was way, way less than the pain of being physically overweight and being emotionally obsessed with food my whole life. Um, we say it's not about the body shape or size, um, but it's about getting rid of that food obsession. Um, and, and I absolutely agree with that. However, the one thing that I also believe is that actually losing the weight is a critical part of recovery. Um, and the 90-day program specifically really helped me with that part of my recovery. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's a little, it's a little, has a little different twist than some of the other OA things that people do. But in 90-day OA, you're not allowed to speak at the program, in the program, or share until you have 90 days of abstinence. And I thought, boy, that's really harsh. Um, but in real life, it turns out to be brilliant 
Because what people want to do when they have a weight problem is they want to come and they want to emotionally dump and debrief, which is good. But what you have to do in 90 days, you have to shut up and listen for 90 days. So you're not hearing people wallow in the fact that I wanted to do better, but I, um, you know, I went to this party and blew it. You're hearing people who have 90 days of commitment to follow their food plan. And in that 90 days, they coincidentally generally have 30 or 40 pounds off. So they really do have experience, strength, and hope. And after listening to that for three months, by the time you're ready to share, you've got that experience, strength, and hope. And that was something that really helped me get over those first few months in the program. Um, once you've got your 90 days, you share and are as much service as you can. And that helps you to really be able to stick to it because you know that if you break your abstinence, you're booted back to day one. And you can't be of service. And that's a big mo that was a big motivating thing for me to help me stay on track. And so I did. Um, the next goal is to get, or the next, you know, kind of leg in the journey is to actually get to your goal. Sometimes, I, I think in OA, we spend a lot of time talking about the disease and the grip it has on us and commiserating and how horrible it is to be a compulsive overeater. But, you know, talk is cheap if it isn't, if it isn't attached to some kind of plan of action. It's interesting because I have known lots of people who have lost weight but have not found recovery. They are still compulsive food addicts. They're just thin ones, you know, anorexics, bulimics, people who just are always obsessed with their weight and their body figure. However, the converse isn't true. I don't believe you can really have true recovery until the weight that needs to come off starts to come off. That doesn't mean being too thin, but getting to a healthy weight. And so getting to your goal weight is a really important part of the recovery program. And then the final phase for OA was, okay, I'm to my goal weight, now what? Well, what getting to my goal weight did for me was just help me understand how messed up I really was. I began to understand, like all of us do, that weight is not the problem. It is just the symptom. And having gotten a handle on the food, it freed up my mind and my emotional and spiritual energy to the point where I could start working on some of those underlying issues that really caused the problem in the first place. So the one thing that everybody always asks is, so how do you go about losing 100 pounds? It's so overwhelming. Um, and in my case, how do you set out to lose 200 pounds? That's really overwhelming. Um, it's interesting as I talk to people because they see the pictures and they go, my gosh, you must have so much willpower. That is a crock. If I had one ounce of willpower, I would not have gained 200 pounds in the first place. We all know that willpower is not the issue. Always before I started 90 Day OA, and I think this is kind of what killed me, I had this arrogant approach to problem solving. I believed that is all you had to do to change anything in your life, because I'm confident, I'm a, I'm a smart person, is all you need to do is to have a better plan and you need to work harder at that plan. And I had been successful in using that strategy for virtually everything in my life except losing those 200 pounds. And all the better plans in the world I found didn't do anything. It didn't matter how much harder I worked, it just led to a binge on the back end and even more weight gain. Um, and so that's the point in time when I was introduced to the 90-day OA program. And I have kind of a little 
analogy that I came up with because I was tired of trying to explain to people why Overeaters Anonymous worked when my lifetime membership, that because I was a lifetime member in Weight Watchers the whole time I gained that 200 pounds, why it didn't work, why all the other diets didn't work. And the analogy is this, and you'll have to look hard to see these pictures, but picture a unicycle with one wheel on it, okay? If you get your balance, you can ride for a fairly long period of time. You can stay stable. It will get you where you need to go. However, sooner or later, you are going to get tired and you're going to fall off. You just can't maintain your balance. Um, you think about a bicycle with two wheels, a lot more stable. I happen to love to ride bikes. I can ride for three or four hours, um, you know, a really long time. But still, sooner or later, I am going to lose my balance or not be able to stay on it anymore. So this is why they invented tricycles. Three wheels for remedial people and small children who have a hard time staying balanced. The stabilizing influence of having those three wheels is phenomenal. Um, but still, you know, there's room for fluctuation. And that's okay because somebody also invented four wheels and put them on a wagon. And you could pretty well fall asleep and you're not going to fall off of it. There is something about the stability of four wheels on a vehicle that really makes um, a secure platform for movement and change in your life. So as I looked at this um, analogy, the unicycle was what I had tried to do every time I dieted. I had a food plan, and I'm sorry, any good food plan will work as long as you stick to it. That's the problem. It's the sticking to it. Sooner or later, you get tired and you fall off. So you've got to have element one of this recovery when you've got weight to lose is you've got to have a structured plan. In my 90-day program, it came in the form of a food plan, rules and boundaries that defined my behavior. Since food is not like drugs or alcohol that you can say I won't touch them, like you said, you've got to walk the tiger three times a day, there's got to be structure enough to give you those boundaries. Um, the second element on um, or the second wheel, the second element of the program for me that helped me reach that goal of losing the weight was accountability. There had to be somebody that I had to answer to for my behavior. And that accountability was very, very important because I couldn't just wake up and say, ah, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I had to wake up and report to my sponsor what I was going to eat and whether or not I stuck to my commitment the day before. So that accountability was the second wheel, and it made the food plan so much more doable. Um, the third wheel came from having support and encouragement. As human beings, my vision of what I want is about 30 seconds, okay? I want to be thin until I pass a dessert buffet or a fast food restaurant or somebody offers me my favorite treat, and then I forget that losing the weight is important to me. So you've got to have that constant motivation, which is why we have the eight tools of Overeaters Anonymous, the meetings, the outreach calls, um, all of those things that constantly put in our face, not only do I want this, but yes, I can do it. I go to the meetings and I see other people who are ahead of me who have done it, and it increases my motivation. Very important third wheel. And then the fourth wheel, which is absolutely critical and a part of the, of the Overeaters Anonymous plan, is the whole concept of, of principles. The, they come in the form of 12 steps. 
what is going on up here that makes me turn to food as my drug of choice? And so as I work the steps, I, I manage to un, unbury um, that baggage, to peel off the layers of the onion to the point where I am emotionally and spiritually healing as well as physically healing. And I shared this at a meeting once, and one of the other people in my group stood up and said something very profound, I thought. He said, you know, you can have four wheels in a wagon and still not be going anywhere. You have got to have an engine or a steering mechanism. And to me, that's the final fifth element that's critical to being able to lose that much weight, and that's your higher power. There's got to be some divine help, some acknowledgement that out there, there is a power that will help you do what you could not do for yourself. And so a lot of that, um, the success that I have had in OA that I didn't have in any other diet was because it wasn't just the food plan. It was a food plan with the accountability of a sponsor and the encouragement and support of the meetings and the outreach calls and working the steps and reliance on my higher power. And so that really made a difference in my life. And so I tell people, if you are not being successful, if, if you are still talking about recovery, but you're not, you're not physically recovering as well as emotionally recovering, ask yourself which of those five elements is missing and find a way to, to put it into your program because that's what O'Readers Anonymous um, is all about. I tell people all the time, that for me, it, in, in my case, 90 day, but it's not a question of will the 90 day Overeaters Anonymous program work. It is really a question of will you work the program. The people that I have seen do it have recovered, period. Um, the lady that introduced me, who happens to be sitting in the front row, lost 205 pounds. Um, we got to our goal weight the same month. It was very exciting. I was so glad. She introduced me to the program because, you know, it, it, took me uh, it took me one year to lose the first 130 pounds. It took me 21 months to get the whole 180 off. And I'm thinking, you know, 21 months of my life would have gone by just like that, whether or not I was in the food. The difference is because one day at a time, one step at a time, I stuck to the program. At the end of that time, I was to my goal. I was free to keep working on the other benefits. Um, I love the advertisements that you see for all the other diet plans that say um, they, they show you all the fat person and the thin person, and then they put a disclaimer, these results are not typical. I laugh. Why, why would you say that? If they're not typical, there's something flawed with your program. Um, and, what, and what I have to say is these results are typical. Like I said, you know, 205 pounds, 180 pounds. Another, another friend that saw us shrink joined and he's already down 140 pounds. Two of my friends that joined well after me are down 100 pounds. Two more are down 70. And you know what? It works. These results are typical, but they're only typical if you implement all five elements of the program. The, the, the structured plan, the sponsor and accountability, the tools and the, the motivation, the, the 12 steps and reliance on your higher power. Um, real quick, I have, a, I have a friend who has a daughter-in-law that's very large, very young, very large, talented person. And I was talking to the friend, and she says, it's so sad, we eat the same thing, and I'm skinny and she's fat. And 
I couldn't say this before, but I had to say that is not the truth. She does not eat like you. She may eat like you at family gatherings and in private, but in public, or in, but in public, but in private, she does not eat like you. You do not gain 200 extra pounds eating like everybody else, even if you have a slow metabolism. Um, and I had a serious problem that I didn't recognize. My daughter used to joke about my, you know, really Gestapo food plan, and it's obviously way more lenient, a lot more flexibility now that I'm to go. But, but I said, you think I have a Gestapo sponsor? And she goes, yeah. Um, I said, you think I have a real radical food plan? And she said, yeah. And I said, why? And she said, well, she says, you do, but I think that having a radical problem, which my compulsion with food was, demands a radical solution. When you buy two boxes of ice cream drumsticks and you hide in the sewing room and you eat seven of those eight drumsticks in a single sitting, you have a radical problem. That was the kind of thing that I was unable to conquer before I was exposed to the Overeaters um, Anonymous program. And so I just want to close with the fact that we can change, we can heal, but it doesn't happen just by going on a diet. It happens as we incorporate all of the elements of Overeaters Anonymous. That's why we're here, that's why we come, because we, we surround ourselves with people that are living proof that the program works, people who understand our pain and suffering, and people that can encourage us to keep getting back up and taking one step at a time, one day at a time. Thank you very much. The basket, please. Rick, did you get your second page of our picture? the response. Do you like how you look naked in the mirror? Well, let's get right to it. No. I like how I look in clothes except for right here. Um, does my husband like how I look naked is a better question. Um, and because I need major cosmetic surgery. I'm sorry, that's just the facts. And I love what he says. He says, honey, those are the battle scars of the battle you won, and I'm okay with that. Did you experience prejudice at 330 pounds? <laughs> yep. I just ran into a lady who I had known in an organization I served in at 330 pounds. She hadn't seen me. She was shocked, of course, wanted to know what I did. But she made the comment, she goes, you're a totally different person. You're so vibrant and energetic and you have so much personality. And I was downright angry because I wasn't a different person. It's just that when I was 330 pounds, unfortunately in our society, that was all people could see. Um, one of the fringe benefits is that 
people don't see that anymore, but I'm still resentful that in our society people can't see past the weight. Which comes first, abstinence so you can work the steps or work the steps so you can get abstinence? For me, abstinence. Um, my sponsor said, starting, you know, whatever day we chose, now, you are not in the food anymore, be abstinent. And I did not start to work the steps until after I had my food plan under my belt. Once I was free of the flour and the sugar and the compulsion, I was able to work the steps, and that's a continuous journey that I continue to work on. But for me, definitely abstinence came first. Um, for me, it's do and then talk. Were you a spiritual or religious person before OA? How did you get an HP? Um, Yes, I was a very spiritual person. Um, for me, my higher power was God. I was very close to him. However, I did not understand how he was a factor in my weight loss. Um, in OA, I had to make a different kind of connection spiritually than I had made to realize that he wasn't just concerned with everything else and all the other important things that I did in my life, but he was concerned with how I felt and how my body was. Um, so, yes, I was spiritual, but my spirituality has changed and grown as a result of the program. Do you think people who have lost or gained lots of weight over the years have screwed up their bodies up in the year in their 40s? They won't be able to lose weight in the program without dieting. Um, I don't believe that there are people who can't lose weight in the program. It's just a question of how you have to do it. I was um, almost 50 when I started the program. I had gained and lost and gained. Like I said, I was a lifetime member of Weight Watchers. I I'd I'd lost as much as 80 pounds, gained back as much as 110 pounds. And I still joined, as screwed up as my metabolism was, I still was able to lose the weight, and I didn't pass around my graph, but I have a graph of my whole adult life, which, you know, when you've been in Weight Watchers, you have records, and then my graph for OA, and you can do it. It, it can be done fairly easily. The problem is you have to reset your metabolism, which is why the skipping meals and the eating less doesn't work. I bought 9-inch Corel pie plates, and I eat my dinner in the pie plate plus my fruit and other things because my dinner won't fit on a normal plate. I have to eat that much food three times a day just to keep from losing weight. Um, so I, I believe that you can fix your metabolism by eating well and by getting the flour and the sugar out of your system. How do you handle brief relapse? Um, one day at a time, I prevent relapse. Um, I have not had a typical relapse. Like I said, in the 90-day program, if I am to relapse, I go back to day zero. I get rid of all my sponsees. I start over. And so, so I haven't had to deal with that yet. But I know people who do have to. And my whole issue is talk to the sponsor before the relapse happens. And if I do relapse, and in my case, it's not relapse so much as things that are amiss. Um, and need to be adjusted in the program. I talk to my sponsor immediately. She is my lifeline. 
And what kind of food plan are, do you follow? Um, three weight and measured meals a day, no food or snacks in between, um, no flour, no sugar. I thought the sugar would be hard, but the flour almost killed me um, until I did it. And then once I got adjusted, I don't even miss it. Um, and I, by weight and measure, I have a set amount of grain, protein, a boatload of vegetables, fruit, and oil. That was a that was an oddity to me, adding oil when you want to lose weight. But that's what I eat pretty much every day. About eating, how much of protein, vegetables do you eat? Do you eat? beans or oatmeal? Um, how much do I eat? A lot. Um, I, I get my food plan and in 90 day we get our food plan from our sponsor. They give us the, the food plan. I, for references, eat about this much protein, about this much rice um, or grain or whatever it is that I'm going to have. And I started out with 12 ounces of vegetables and and I've gone up as high as 20 ounces per meal trying to get that in a restaurant. Um, yeah, I, I eat oatmeal sometimes. I have other things I like better. Yes, I eat beans, but I have other proteins that I like better. But there's very few things that I can't eat except for the flour and sugar. How do you eat out at a restaurant? <laughs> I, with great enthusiasm. Um, I, I... I took my scale up until for the first three years, took my scale and weighed and measured. And there was only two restaurants I went to. One was a Mongolian barbecue where I could have them cook my meat separately. I could cook my vegetables separately and then weigh it and put it all together. And so it was 100% absolutely precisely weighed and measured. And we ate there. We were remodeling our kitchen, so we ate there, you know, like three times a week for the first nine months of it. The other one was a steakhouse because you can always get steak, potatoes, vegetable fruit um, so that's how I eat out now I don't always take my scale although I have noticed that I was within one pound of the same weight on the first of the month with every weigh-in um, for a year and a half and I actually noticed that with a lot of traveling which meant a lot of eating out without the scale I was actually creeping up you know two or three pounds or whatever and so I'm back to taking my scale again because that's my lifeline to sanity Thank you for your share. I released 40 pounds, but intend to lose another 60 pounds. I'm scared. I feel vulnerable. How did you overcome feeling vulnerable as you continue to lose? I don't know that you get over those kind of things. You just learn to cope and deal with them. Um, going to the meetings, um, working the steps, and doing other things to compensate whenever there's a negative or something that's hard in your life, do a positive. So yes, I had some of the emotional trauma of losing weight, but I also had some of the fun things like being able to shop and do things like that. Be careful you don't replace one addiction with another, by the way. Um, so I don't have a good answer with that except to say that that's part of the journey and you have to learn to be okay with it and be okay with yourself and be okay with those fears. Didn't you feel deprived in 90 days? How did you cope with all the feelings that come up? I felt deprived until I actually started doing it. And then I still felt deprived for two or three weeks till the sugar and flour got out of my body. My body. But, um, <laughs> woo, Freudian. Um, okay, but anyway, um, 
But I have found that the reason I felt deprived wasn't because I couldn't have a piece of cheesecake. It's because I couldn't eat the entire cheesecake. Or it wasn't because I couldn't have a piece of chocolate. It was because I couldn't eat the whole box plus my husband. And so, so what I realized is deprivation is a mindset. And not being able to eat everything on the planet is deprivation for me. And I have to learn to deal with that. So I have changed my mindset to where rather than focusing on the deprivation, I think those are just table decorations. Those are just things that are out for the party. When the party's over, I dump them in the garbage. But I am not deprived when I can eat the best, most savory, tasteful food on the planet. And now that I'm off the flour and sugar, I love the taste of my food. I would be deprived if I had to eat little mousy portions, but I eat like a horse. I'm still a food addict. I love my food. I don't feel deprived most of the time, and when I do feel deprived, it's almost always because I haven't been going to my meetings or I need to talk to my sponsor more. How did you day-to-day get up in the morning to do the footwork? Um, Well, I, same way I always got up, um, staying focused was really the issue, And, and again, that's why all of the elements of the program, the meetings, the calls, the sponsor, the food plan, all of, I had a routine I had to keep. The hardest part for me was the first time I walked into the kitchen having to weigh and measure food and not get flour and sugar. I felt like the first time I had a baby trying to go to the grocery store, remembering the car seat and the diaper bag and the strollers and everything. It was so cumbersome. But I got to the point where I just had a routine this is the way I did it, and within a week or two, I settled into that routine, and my day went relatively smoothly, and it was very easy to face what was ahead of me that day. Tell us about your daily spirituality practices and how you were able to find and accept an HP. Thanks. Um, I am not real good at doing the formal meditation, but faithfully every morning, every night, and every time in between when I need help, prayer works for me. Um, Studying works for me. Going to meetings works for me. Um, OA meetings and also other meetings that are spiritually uplifting. And and a lot of it is just the self-conversation that I have learned to have with my higher power. Um, Talking to him when I'm struggling. um, Communicating. um, Trying to listen for what he might be telling me. Those are all helped me a lot. In 90-day OA, if you committed to calling your food in daily, what happens when you didn't keep that commitment? Do you start over? Isn't that discouraging? It's scary, but sometimes being scared, a friend is a good way to keep doing something. Um, I, if I, I didn't. It was a privilege to have a sponsor, and I knew that the price of having that privilege was to do what she said. So when she said call, I called. If I didn't call once or twice, then she would have warned me um, and, and, and basically give me the choice. Do you want to do this or don't you want to do it? And so the answer was no, it wasn't nearly so discouraging as it was motivating for me. I joke about her being a Gestapo, but what she really was was a freedom fighter. She was on my side. She was there helping me overcome the addiction. And so I didn't want to disappoint her. I wanted to enjoy utilizing her as one of the tools for my recovery. Can you give us an example of what you eat? How did your abstinence change, and what was it when you started 
and what is it today? When I started my abstinence in 90 day, it was absolutely black and white. If I had four ounces of this, that was good. If I had 4.1, that was bad. Very strict, very regimented, um, very clean. Um, I almost got booted back to day one at my daughter's wedding reception because they served mashed potatoes and I wanted to eat them. Um, a very strict sponsor. Um, but it was okay because that, I felt like I had lost the privilege to make those choices. And so my sponsor made them for them. That sponsor that I had at the beginning wouldn't work for me right now because now I'm looking for something I can live with the rest of my life. My sponsor now is very much more flexible. Let's figure out how to make this work for the rest of your life. And so I'm allowed much more variety, much more flexibility, less stringent, but I can start to tell when I'm pushing it too far and I work with my sponsor to get the rules, excuse me, get the rules tightened down um, like they need to be. Do you not pick up no matter what? Do you think century people don't make it if they don't weigh and measure? Um, I'm sure that there are people who do make it without weighing and measuring. I'm just not one of them because it doesn't matter how much I have, it's never enough. I am a very cut and dried, I need rules. And so um, I, I basically weigh and measure and the answer is, no, I don't pick up. I was just at a big reunion and everyone said, can't you just make an exception? And, and for me, there's no such thing as one exception. I am enough of, one of my compulsions is being an all or nothing person. So the answer is no, I do not pick up flour and sugar. Sometimes I pick up a little more than I need, but, um, but then I work with my sponsor to get it right back exactly under control. Okay, we're going to wrap this up, but let's get this one in, okay? We have a second. Okay, then we'll be off the record. What is a slip or relapse in, 90, in OA 90? Can you not weigh food one meal when out? You kind of covered that. Bottom line is it's up to your sponsor. Um, I, you get booted for some things with one sponsor that you don't with another, and you work with your sponsor um, because it varies from person to person. How did you find a sponsor and what did you learn from that person? Are you sponsoring now and what have you learned? Um, yes, I'm sponsoring now. I found, a per I found a sponsor because she was available and she came up and said she was available. I did not want her. I did not like her um, <laughs> at all. But for a year and a half, she got me to my goal weight. Um, I have learned that you have to find a sponsor that works for you and Certain sponsors are good for one stage in your life and they're not at another. And what have I learned? Um, somebody, somebody hit the nail on the head. They said sponsoring is an art, not a science. And our final question is a wrap-up. I don't want to lose this one. How are you with accepting how your naked body looks today? I thought we ended like we started it. Okay. Um, I'm okay with it. I wished I looked like a fashion model in a bikini and I don't. But like I said, those are my battle scars. I'm okay with that. The interesting thing is, even knowing how ridiculous I look, stark naked in my full-length closet mirrors, um, I'm still proud of myself. I'm, I'm okay with how I look. Life is what it is, and you can only do what you can do with it. And I feel like I've accomplished that thanks to OA. Okay, it's time now to close the session. Let's thank our speakers and all who have done service for this session.
And if you will please stand and join hands, we will close with the I put my hand in yours. Thank you.